0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartson. Tonight, we're going to break down a thrilling, okay, not thrilling, but a Monday night football matchup between the Rams and the Bears. Rams got the victory 24-10, to uh, I really coasted throughout most of the second half, and this one was not really in doubt. But yeah, I want to go through this game, some quick fantasy football takeaways, and get you all set up with the waiver wire goodness ahead of Week 8. So good stuff. Wild that you know we're, I know, 17-week seasons, so not technically halfway through, but getting pretty pretty close, you know, as, you know, a situation where we were, you know, not that long ago, just wondering if we were going to get NFL football at all. Uh, truly is awesome that we have had eight relative, or excuse me, seven relatively uninterrupted weeks to this point. So without further ado, let's get started on this Monday night win for the Rams. You know, really wasn't a situation where they had to work too hard, right? We're able to get up 24 to three in the third quarter and just kind of coasted from there. Bears had their chances. Oh my goodness. They had their chances, particularly uh, Nick Foles, but I mean, in his defense, a lot of these, you know, miss throws he had he kind of had Aaron Donald or at least someone else breathing down his neck, you know, as he was trying to get the ball out. However you want to put it, I mean, Darnell Mooney beat Ramsey on a double move, could have been a potential 96-yard touchdown from inside the five-yard line, but Foles, you know, kind of airmailed him. And then the last play of the game, Javon Wims got Ramsey on a double move, but uh, Foles wasn't able to put it on him deep. So just kind of one miss opportunity after another downfield. Overall, Foles went 28 for 40, 261 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, racked up the air yards. I mean, this dude. was not afraid to throw deep, but we just didn't really see all that much success when they wanted to do so other than when they went to Allen Robinson for 42 yards on on a deep one that he caught uh, behind Ramsey, I believe. And then Cole Komet, uh, their, their second round, I believe, rookie tight end. Uh, had a nice 38 uh, yard catch on a little throwback. That was end up being a contested catch situation. I'd like to see them get Komet uh, more involved here. I know rookie tight ends you know you got to learn how to receive and block a position that we never really expect uh, much of any production from at least in that first year but you know Komet over these last two weeks has been uh, flashing a little bit with some visibility here uh, you know especially in the red zone and uh, in these contested catch situations. So I know Jimmy Graham you know former basketball player Jimmy Graham had his heyday. He's still a big target and he's not you know completely washed uh, just yet but you know i do think we're seeing somewhat of a changing of the guard here happening i still think jimmy's gonna be the number one guy and honestly all, all that commits you know role rising is going to do is kind of condense uh, these two and kind of hurt both their values don't forget jimmy graham has that no trade clause so i guess he's uh, not going anywhere anytime soon but uh either way you know it is good to see the bears uh highest drafted rookie making some plays and at least bringing back some production in this year one from a position that usually we see none uh yeah rest of the way around i mean just again wasn't good in this passing game Robinson, only four targets for Allen Robinson. And then at the end of the game, Actually, might be a situation where A Rob isn't the concussion protocol. It was like a fourth and three, and Foles put it on him. A Rob caught it. He caught all of his targets on the on the evening, but you know, situation where it looked like he got hit hard, and the uh, trainers or the booth or the eye in the sky, whoever notices shaky players pulled him out of the game. So that was towards the end. We never got an official designation, but make sure you keep an eye on that uh, during this week. Darnell Mooney could have had a big game. Mentioned that, you know, aforementioned over, overthrow from Foles on the deep one. There's another one early where the safety was in pretty good position, but. Really just didn't have uh, too many chances on his uh, downfield opportunities. The guy looks good. I mean, we have now two or three instances at least this year of him getting pretty wide open deep, only to not really get a catchable ball. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's that's just the reality of kind of playing this offense. Same thing with the Jets uh, when we are talking about, you know, all the air yards Rashad Perryman had last week. It's great to get those air yards, but, you know, there is something to be said about, you know, air yards from someone like Nick Foles versus air yards from someone like Aaron Rodgers. Only other note I could have with these uh, receivers, Anthony Miller, only three catches for 20 yards. But on the broadcast, he apparently got voted by his teammates most likely to be late to practice. So, I mean, the fact that that got out in is public and people are laughing about it just must tell you the kind of stuff that Miller has kind of been doing in regards to practice over the years. I mean, he's, he's been a talented player. Whenever he's out there, we see him making plays. And he's someone that, you know, I would certainly love uh, to see get more opportunity than he has over these past three seasons. But, you know, hearing stuff like that, you do kind of see why Matt Nagy has been hesitant uh, Truly get to give him that future role. So I know I get it. Hey, we're talking about practice here, but uh, it is something you know to keep in mind. You no know, pass blocking, practice, all that stuff that we don't necessarily care too much about in fantasy football land certainly does matter in real life and can ultimately, as we've seen with uh, Miller over the last few years, impact their opportunity, which obviously impacts their fantasy football production. Uh, in this backfield, David Montgomery 14 carries, 48 yards, five catches, 21 yards. You know, hey, if you need uh, two yards, David Montgomery is going to get you three and a half yards and if you need five yards well David Montgomery is going to get you those three and a half yards so a uh, situation with Montgomery where you know we had a fun time on the old Twitter sphere breaking down that old Iowa State graphic for those that haven't seen it when Montgomery was in college ESPN flashed this graphic across the screen where it nicknamed Montgomery Frankenstein it gave him a compare, uh, NFL player comps for every part of his game so according to ESPN when he was at Iowa State uh, Montgomery had the feet of Saquon Barkley, the vision of Le'Veon Bell, the strength of Ezekiel Elliott and the athleticism of Sony Michelle. So kudos to them for, you know, getting that last one and being one for four on the comparisons. But yeah, just rough for Montgomery. He had a nice 11-yard run at one point, but I mean, come on. The guy will break a couple tackles and look good, but at the end of the day, he's just not explosive enough to pick up these big chunks. As we saw with those five receptions, he's going to remain on the RB2 uh, grid just because of volume alone, but certainly not a situation where I think we can ever expect him to turn in RB1 production, even though he has the opportunity. A little bit similar to David Johnson uh, this year, at least. Uh, In terms of expectations uh, with the massive workload, but not the same production because he is the guy still. I mean, 38 snaps for Montgomery. Uh, Cordero Patterson was number two at just 13. Uh, Just a situation where, you know, Montgomery going to keep getting fed. But this is a pretty awful Bears offense that we're dealing with here on the Rams uh, offense. So Jared Goff, 22 for 33, 219 yards, pair of touchdowns. He got one to Josh Reynolds, which was inside the five-yard, inside, I believe, the five-yard line. But they basically broke the huddle real quick. Reynolds lined up in the backfield, went out in the flat, and uh, Goff was able to hit him for a touchdown. And second score was just a short little curl to Gerald Everett, which is, I believe, inside the 15-yard line. He broke a tackle and got into the end zone. So really not all that impressive a performance from Goff. Uh, He did throw a nice deep ball uh, to uh, Reynolds at one point that just Reynolds wasn't able to come down with. I wouldn't really blame Goff for that. He maybe had a chance to hit Woods deep, but honestly, look like we've seen this Bears defense really have their way with Goff over the years. And that kind of was the case tonight, just in terms of big plays. I mean, look, you know, they were able to put up 24 points and Goff, you know, didn't go out there. No no interceptions, only took two sacks. He was making good decisions uh, for most of the evening. A win is a win is a win. But it's just kind of another example of why we're not really all that behind 2020 Jared Goff in terms of fancy asset. I mean, last year we had games where he was legit, uh, you know, flirting with those like 50 60 dropbacks, you know, true Dak Prescott numbers throwing the ball all over the place, win or loss. But have not seen that same approach this year. This is a run-first offense, and because of that, you know we're seeing Cooper Cup only six targets, Robert Woods only five targets. I mean, none of those guys. Only Josh Reynolds with 52 yards, cleared 50 yards uh, in this offense. Gerald never still found the score, and you know we had Robert Woods chip in 23 rushing yards, and Cup had 16 rushing yards as well. These are still integral pieces of the offense, but you know, like golf isn't a really a you know weekly. He's not on the QB1 grid at all. He's more of a, you know, low ceiling, I'd say QB2. And then Cup and Woods, while these guys have been borderline wide receiver ones over the years, we got to get used to treating them as more top 20 options uh, versus borderline top 10, top 12 plays just because of volume. They're still great players, but we're just not seeing enough opportunity uh, to love these guys in fantasy football land. Uh, credit to Reynolds getting the, you know, uh, team high eight targets, but I just, you know, he's kind of playing that Brandon Cooks role, but we're still seeing Van Jefferson there. I don't think it's anything uh, sort of consistent that we can really hang our hat on uh, from this number three wide receiver in the offense. Was a little bit concerned to see Gerald Everett not get more opportunity. Tyler Higby was out with a hand injury. Uh, Johnny Munt ended up actually uh, leading the way in terms of receiving yards with 47. Everett got the touchdown, 28 yards. I think we'll have bigger weeks if Higby does remain sideline, I'm certainly fine, you know, treating Everett as a borderline tight end one, as long as Higby does uh, remain out. But just realize again, like Woods, like Cup, everyone involved in this passing game is just going to be battling uh, volume issues more times than not, unless someone uh, can kind of force Sean McVan company to put their foot down on the gas Uh, quickly with his backfield. Another situation where, you know, not exactly sure what Cam Akers did to Sean McVay, but just uh, two snaps. And these are unofficial numbers right after the game. So excuse me if they do fluctuate a little bit. But, uh, you know, at the moment, two snaps for Cam Akers, 33 for Daryl Henderson, 26 for Malcolm Brown. So Malcolm Brown's still going out there doing his thing. He had this, like, 12-yard run where it seemed like he got stopped in the six-yard line. Just the entire Rams offensive line kept pushing, and so did Brown. He got down to the one. So you do see flash is where I mean, Brown is putting up uh, some solid plays, you know, kind of like a Gus Edwards sense where the guy, you know, hey, if the, if the play is designed to go in the B gap and you know Malcolm Brown's going to be hitting it there hard, might, be, might even be, you know, carrying a defender for a little bit, but... I just think what we've seen from Daryl Henderson over these past few weeks, I mean, he is the guy that can give them the best chance to, you know, have a dynamic rushing attack. Only had a long of 11 tonight. I mean, wasn't consistently gashing this rush defense, but just as a whole this season, I think we've seen Henderson really emerge as the best back in this backfield. So, hey, credit to McVay. He has been going, you know, with Henderson as a starter, as the leading guy in snaps now back-to-back weeks uh, with Cam Akers just really out of the picture at this point. It uh, is looking like it's going to be Henderson's backfield more times than not. It would be nice if he was getting, you know, that full on a Todd Gurley role where he's hardly leaving the field, but as it stands, you know, still a guy that we're looking at 15 to 20 uh, touches per week, kind of in that Antonio Gibson type range of, uh, you know, RB2 backs where going to be a little bit game script dependent. We're going to be disappointed some weeks, but we still have a talented player getting 15 plus touches more weeks than not, and that is valuable in fantasy football lands. So Rams 24, Bears 10. Uh, you know, anytime we have football, it's a fun one, but yeah, maybe not the most exciting uh, primetime game coming off of that Cardinals-Seahawks classic uh, from Sunday night. All right, quick shout out to our sponsor before we get on to some waiver wire stuff. Uh, Monkey Knife Fight. So all first time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least 20 bucks in their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's $40 value for just 20 bucks. And you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA In Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. Thank you, Monkey Knife fight. All right, everyone. I want to touch on some waiver wire stuff? We're gonna have all sorts of uh, you know uh, just articles up at PFF, so make sure you check those out. But you know, I just try to go through Yahoo, ESPN, see who's uh, you know who's frequently being added and who some of the people are that are available. You know, in uh, more than 50% of leagues, and just kind of give my opinion on the top guys. That I'm sure you'll be reading and listening about all throughout the week. So first off, you need to have Chase Edmonds if he is out there. You know, uh, my, my, my guy uh, Hayden Winks at Roto World had a funny tweet saying, you know, if you can take out a million-dollar mortgage in real life to get enough fab to uh, go get Chase Edmonds, you should probably be doing that. I know it's a buy this week, but with Kenyon Drake expecting to miss a few weeks with a slight tear of a ligament in his ankle, uh, Cardinals training like a high ankle sprain, it's going to be the Chase Edmonds experience now. And Eno Benjamin will be involved you know to some extent, but look, this year... It's been pretty much a 70-30 split between Drake and Edmonds with Drake taking the lead more weeks than not. Last year, it was more of an 80-90% snap situation, depending on if it was, you know, Drake, David Johnson, or even Edmonds for a week. So I could even see things getting back to more of a 2019 feel, uh, depending on how they trust Benjamin right now. Either way, you know, we're fully expecting Edmonds to have that 60, 70% snap roll at a minimum. He's earned it. You know, he does everything with the passing game. So worst case scenario, even if they look at, you know, Benjamin as, you know, more of a early down back than perhaps we do which I, do, I truly do not believe will be the case. Uh, Edmonds is going to be the one getting the fancy, friendly passing down work. And look, I mean, we just haven't seen anything from Eno. And this is why all offseason we've been preaching with Tavius Murray, Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, and Chase Edmonds. I understand the Madison thing didn't work out the week we needed it to, but you know what? If Dalvin Cook missed eight weeks, I, d- I do think Madison would settle in as an RB2 uh, more times than not. But Edmonds, he truly has a chance to give you know top 12 RB value the rest of the way, depending on this Drake injury. So truly a if- chance. Chase Edmonds is somehow out there. Hopefully, because you've been listening to this podcast, you already have Edmonds uh, sitting fine on your bench. But if not, go do everything in your power to get Chase Edmonds. If you have $40 left, I would use all $40 to get Chase Edmonds. This is one of those Mike Davis situations where we need to get this guy because he is going to return immediate RB1 value. Uh, Richard Higgins for the Browns with Odell Beckham Jr. out for the season with the torn ACL, which you know cannot stress enough how much that sucks. And quickly, you know, I went on a rant last podcast that released on Monday about you know people saying the Browns could be better off without Baker uh, or without uh, Beckham involved. Baker could be better off without Beckham involved. I mean, look, nobody, nobody in the league has had more uncatchable deep ball targets that were deemed to be their quarterback's fault uh, than Beckham over these past two years. So I understand if you want to say that you know Baker not forcing the ball to uh, this guy or that guy is a little bit better for his progressions and the overall rhythm of the offense. But I just think that, you know, that's not really on Beckham. Just use the guy like the stub wide receiver one he'd be. Odo Beckham would be in any single team in the league's uh, top three wide receiver sets and out there. And, you know, come on, he'd be the top one on about 20, 25 of these teams. So anyway, we're starting Higgins' season now. And look, it's going to be inconsistent. It's been inconsistent with Odo Beckham Jr. I don't think Higgins is all, all of a sudden going to start supplying, you know, this weekly wide receiver one usage that Beckham did. And I'm expecting, you know, Jarvis Landry to probably, uh, you know, start seeing the most targets on the Browns here moving forward. But, you know, 12 receivers have at least 25 targets from Baker Mayfield during his career. And Higgins at 10.92 adjusted yards per target is the only wide receiver averaging over even eight um, adjusted yards per target. So situation where uh, Baker and Higgins have really shown some great chemistry over the years. And now with him, you know, pretty much cemented as a number two wide receiver, if not number two pass game option in this offense. I think he's going to be, you know, a weekly upside wide receiver Three potential. So, this is a good guy you want to have on your bench. Again, I'm, you know, if you're out there and you have uh, several good wide receivers, I get you're not going to be rushing to start Higgins every week, but, you know, kind of like T. Higgins, kind of like, uh, you know, some of these other guys we've been referencing uh, over, over the weeks that, you know, hey, you could do worse than someone that's going to be out there on the field for most of the time and, you know, looking at a true top two spot uh, in their offense. Uh, Tim Patrick was another one we've been talking about where I know it's not the sexiest uh, pick, but, you know, when we get these bye weeks, when we get these injuries coming up, these are types of players that you feel a little bit better going. to the well then you know whoever you can swoop up on the waiver wire during uh, that specific week Some running backs here with the Baltimore Ravens. So, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. I like taking a chance on Dobbins here. We saw this with DeAndre Swift after the Lions bye. And now with the Ravens coming off the bye, you know, I think if we're going to see a shift in this backfield, it would be here in this Week 8 matchup against the Steelers. Huge game. And look, I mean, Gus Edwards has been good. Mark Ingram is banged up right now. It sounds like he should be able to get out there. But if this is going to be a three RB committee still. I don't see, you know, anyone just completely hitting the bench out of this trio. Even if Ingram is out, I can see Justice Hill uh, getting in the fold. But, there is a chance, I think, the last chance effort for Dobbins to, you know, really be relevant in 2020 is for them to give that, you know, 2019 Mark Ingram roll, 12 to 15 carries per game, another two to three targets, let him do his thing, you know, in between Lamar Jackson runs. So we'll see if he gets there. Uh, if he's out there on the waiver wire, you know, it's maybe in, you know, sh- shallower leagues. Uh, otherwise, he'll probably be on benches, particularly in any former dynasty, obviously. But if you see him out there, you know, kind of like DeAndre Swift was a nice uh, pickup a couple weeks ago, uh, I do think giving Dobbins another chance with the potential. Uh, for a new look backfield here coming out of the bye uh, could pay some dividends either way though you know Dynasty don't be freaking out because I truly think Dobbins could be flirting with RB1 status as early as 2021 depending on if the Ravens uh, cut ties with Ingram this offseason Nelson Aguilar is someone that's kind of in that Rashard Higgins camp where I understand that you're not going to be rushing to start this dude every week. But look, this Raiders offense is legit. And that makes, you know, the accessory parts of the offense uh, much better fancy options than in the past. I mean, truly, I cannot stop saying good things about Derek Carr. I don't get it either, everyone. But 2020, you know, weird things happen. This year, Derek Carr has five games with 250 plus passing yards and at least two touchdowns. He only had four such games all of last season, only three such games in 2018, only three such games in 2017. So we're looking at a situation where if Baker keeps this up, he could legit have more games with 250-plus passing yards and two touchdowns in 2020 as he had in 2017 through 2019 combined. So he is legit playing well. You know, he took some big hits at the end of that Buccaneers game, uh, showed a lot of toughness out there. You know, hey, he's doing his thing. Henry Ruggs, you know, if Brian Evers comes back, it's going to hurt Aguilar. But Aguilar had nine targets last week, and Henry Ruggs only had three. I don't get it. But credit to Nelson Aguilar for playing some good ball. Look, everyone, we saw this happen with Rashad Perry. Like, just because someone is bad at football for a certain stretch doesn't mean they can't get better. And, you know, with four games with a full-time role, we've seen Aguilar go three catches, 32 yards, four catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown, two catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown. And most recently, five catches, 107 yards, and a score. Had a nullified 55-yard score along the way. I mean, look, it's a good Good to great passing game some of these weeks, honestly, depending on the matchup. And I think, uh, you know, having Aguilar out there playing 80-90% snaps, again, you can do worse filling in, you know, some of these flex spots than someone in a good offense that's going to be out there on the field almost every single drop back. Now talking about the 49ers here, we got a lot to go over. So Debo Samuel uh, with a hamstring injury is going to be out this week, most likely next as well. Jeff Wilson with an ankle injury is joining Raheem Mostert on IR. There is an outside chance that Tevin Coleman is able to return uh, in this spot. So news on Jarek McKinnon not playing last week. This is straight from uh, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Shanahan said that the 49ers were planning to rest Jarek McKinnon all along since McKinnon had a large workload earlier in the season. Great. Uh, we did see McKinnon re- returning kicks in weeks one and two, and he hasn't done that since, but that was kind of what got me on him originally, uh, you know, potentially having that big role with Rahimo throughout the first time. You know, we were uh, kind of... Um bullish on his chances last week of getting that big-time role because Debo was back and Kittle was back and we didn't see that you know in the first time uh, that Moser was out but look you know with these current injuries if we'll say Coleman's out uh, this week if we're assuming that Kittle's number one option I think Brandon Ayuk is probably number two this rookie is legit good fam Uh, and then after that Probably McKinnon. I mean, we see with Hasty, they don't trust Hasty to be out there every single snap. He has only had one snap as a pass blocker all season. I think it's similar to kind of what we're seeing with AJ Dillon and Green Bay, although Hasty's actually, you know, put on some good film and had some solid runs. So I just mean that, you know, it's a situation where I don't think they've done enough uh, with the team in the past game to kind of get that three down roll where they're trusted uh, to be out there for more snaps and not. So Hasty, he could flirt with double digit uh, carries, but, you know, Coleman's gonna be back sooner rather than later. I think Coleman immediately. Uh, plays over Hasty. I mean, we just had Shanahan say that. Wilson played over Hasty and McKinnon because they just like, you know, his feel and he's been in the offense longer. So fully expect Tevin Coleman to play over Hasty, whether or not, you know, Coleman is even better than Hasty at this point in their career. But McKinnon could really be, uh, get that enhanced lead back role this week if Coleman stays sideline. So if it's all three of them, I do think Coleman, you know, works as a lead back. Uh, But if it's only two of them, I think McKinnon could uh, get that more enhanced kind of scat back 60% snap roll and flirt with, you know, 10 to 15 overall touches so out of the entire group I would say if Brandon Ayuk is on your waivers make sure you get this dude I I doubt he is you know in too many leagues but with the running backs not expecting a ton from Coleman once he comes back but Someone cuts tie from someone cuts ties with McKinnon before this week, and we get more news on Coleman. Uh, I would be willing to go with McKinnon, treat him as kind of a borderline uh, RB two in week eight. Uh, quickly, Trey Burton. Look, Doug Peterson loves his former tight end. He managed to get you know those two touchdowns thanks to that one rush attempt back in a week six. But just realize, on I mean, this offense. Mo Cox has a knee injury. When he's back, he's going to steal away snaps and targets alike. Jack Doyle is still starting and playing the most. This is a three tight end situation in a run. for first offense you know hey burton was great in that week but that was more because of uh you know dfs pricing and stuff and hey he was good in season long too i get it maybe he keeps it up and keeps on scoring but ultimately this is a three tight end committee uh you know if one of the guys is out then okay we can treat burton or mo alley cox as you know kind of a touchdown dependent tight end too but not a situation i think we should be targeting with any amount of you know uh, capital that we want to invest in the guy uh, with the Seahawks backfield. So this is going to mainly be a pass for me. I mean, I would rather have Hasty, uh, I think, or even Mc- or McKinnon, especially uh, over any of these Seattle backs, because it's just a mess right now. Chris Carson is week to week with a midfoot sprain. I expect to be back sooner rather than later. And I mean, this dude is just so freaking tough. So wouldn't be shocked if he does only end up missing a week or so. Uh, Coach Pete Carroll said Rashad Penny is getting closer, but he's probably not going to return in Week Eight from the pup. But it sounds like a situation where you know Week Ten, Week Eleven, uh, Penny could be back in action. Carlos Hyde has a tight hamstring, so we don't know about his status. Travis Homer has a knee bruise, so it sounds like that you know he's not 100 percent. Although Carroll uh, didn't make it sound like it was too intense, so that could feasibly leave DJ Dallas as the lone healthy back for the Seahawks offense. I mean, look though, this situation is far from clear. They could certainly add someone. You know, hey Marshawn Lynch, what's up, man? I understand Marshawn isn't uh, you. You know, putting uh, putting exactly uh, much explosiveness for uh, putting too much explosiveness forward these days. Excuse me. But, uh, you know, it would be fun to see. I love when that guy can just get out there and get more involved uh, in all of our lives because it always puts a smile on my face. And I'm sure plenty more. But yeah, with this backfield again, Homer, Hyde, Dallas, Penny, with Dallas being the only healthy one. You know, I believe he blew a pretty brutal pass block uh, last game. I have to go back and watch a little bit closer. But if they're all healthy, or excuse me, if Carson's out and the rest of these guys are healthy, Carlos Hyde could be you know a legit top 20 option just based on volume alone. But he's not going to have as much pass down work with Homer and Dallas involved uh, as you know Carson would in this role. And I think just with that tight hamstring, it does even bring in the question how many, how much early down work Hyde is capable of handling as well. So you know, volume induced potential borderline RB2 for Hyde, but you know just worry about this injury and. And again, even if you do get this one week out of Hyde, I think Penny and Carson uh, to a much more extent are going to be back sooner rather than later. So, you know, would not be blowing my fab by any stretch of the imagination on any of the Seahawks backs. But if you need a one week, uh, you know, stop a a spot starter, I would go with Hyde. Jalen Rager with the Eagles. Go get him if he is available, people. Uh, He's expected to maybe not be back this week. And Eagles have a week nine bye. But you look at their schedule after the bye. Giants, Browns, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals, and the Dallas Cowboys Swiss cheese defense in the fantasy football championship Sunday week 16. So once has been playing much better lately. All his skill position, uh, you know, talents are pretty much out. But if we had Rager to the equation, man, he played 85% of the offensive snaps in week two before tearing the UCL in his right thumb. He's made some big plays at once already. You see why they were so high on him, and, you know, felt the need to draft him in the first round. I think Fulham st- could still stay out there, even if Jeffrey comes back, but they're going to find room for Rager on the field and I wouldn't be shocked if you know maybe even Fulgham remains the number one target getter but Rager is capable of making the most of his opportunities if he is out there people seriously go get Jalen Rager might not even cost you that much this week because again he's looking questionable for this Sunday night and then the Eagles have a week nine bye but could be you know a prime stash for uh, this stretch down the end that again is filled with fancy friendly defenses to fire him up against uh, quickly Giovanni Bernard Jamal Williams obviously uh, need to get these guys if they are available still not sure on the target of Joe Mixon or Aaron Jones it doesn't sound like either guy is dealing you know with this uh, too brutal of an injury asking to keep him sidelined for multiple weeks but you know both Gio and Jamal Williams are playing 75% plus snaps uh, truly featured over over their team's backup running backs expect this with Jamal Williams not so much with Gio but you know what that's the world we're living in both these guys are going to be legit RB two options and to into Williams credit maybe even closer an RB one uh, if they're starting stay sidelined. Uh, four more here. I want to touch on them. We'll get out of here, everyone. Uh, Sterling Shepard, he's another guy that I would really recommend trying to get, uh, you know, if, if possible, if he's available. Uh, cool staff from ESPN's Mike Clay. Uh, Shepard has been targeted at least six times in 18 consecutive games uh, if you remove his injury short in Week 2 performance from 2020. So, at the start of training camp, I mean, and just throughout it, honestly, Shepard seemed like he was going to be the number one receiver. We have seen this Jason Garrett offense. I mean, n- them not prioritize Golden Tate. And, and there is Slayton. While he can can kind of be a pure number one I think they do like him a little bit more in that field stretcher role so Shepard you know based on what we saw last week and based on what we've seen in the past uh, this guy truly is capable of running some uh, just some awesome routes from all over the field he can get open at ease him and Down Jones have shown some solid chemistry you know in their short time together and he does seem like you know the leader to potentially lead this god-awful Giants offense uh, in targets here moving forward uh, with the Jets, the Michael Piron, not someone I'm prioritizing, but, you know, you could do worse than it And some of these running backs getting, you know, 10 to 15 touches on a weekly basis. It's kind of like the DeAndre Swift situation where Piron, hey, maybe things, you know, keep going up for, up for him. He plays well and he's able to kind of carve out this low end weekly RB2 role. But, you know, Swift's got AP ahead of him. Piron has Frank Gore. And, you know, I don't see either of those situations necessarily changing anytime soon. The main difference between these guys that's really hurting Piron is obviously the Jets' should not be compared in the slightest to the Lions or really any other offense other than maybe the Dakless Cowboys uh, just in terms of how bad they have been throughout this season. So, you know, anyone associated with the Jets is a pretty puke other than Jameson Crowder. I get it. It's not a workhorse role. You know, I think P. Ryan is probably going to top out as an RB three, but Hey, you know, if you're desperate, uh, you could do worse than someone getting 10 to 15 touches per week. Uh, Wayne Gallman could be a legit potential starter. if Devontae Freeman is out. We, I still haven't heard how legit uh, this ankle injury that Freeman suffered last Thursday night is, but you know, it would be the Wayne Gallman show. I think if Freeman's out, they have only been using Dion Lewis, as you know, this 15, 20 percent scat back. And yeah, it's going to be Gallman, you know, one getting 15, 20 uh, carries per week. He will not be a recommended start on Monday night against the Buccaneers juggernaut of a run defense. But, uh, you know, again, like some of these other guys where, you know, P Ryan's only maybe getting 10, 15 touches per week. Gallman, if Freeman's out, could be pushing 20 uh, more times than not. So I would say he would be maybe the under the radar guy that people are missing a little bit. Finally, last two tight ends that I think you can get and that are fine flyers. I probably wouldn't. uh, actually, no, I would definitely prioritize these guys over Trey Burton. Excuse me. But yeah, Harrison Bryant and Richard Rodgers uh, from the Eagles. I think I would go Harrison Bryant over Rodgers. And look, you know, these are situations where we have the Browns, the Eagles, and I'd also throw the Vikings, Texans, and maybe Seahawks in there where if we get tight ends taking out of the pictures, you know, and it clears up these kind of muddled uh, tight end rooms, don't be afraid to help cover a bye with these dudes. You know, Bryant, two touchdowns last week. We've kind of seen Baker going in and just feeding him early and often throughout the season and it seems like he does really trust him more than David Njoku, even if Njoku also had a nice touchdown and was out there a bit too. I guess this week, okay, let me backtrack here. Richard Rodgers should be the priority flyer this week because they're facing the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, honestly, in fantasy football, our two main rules, at least in 2020, are chase opportunity over talent and play players that are facing the Dallas Cowboys defense because that is going to lead us to all sorts of success. So Richard Rodgers this week. Moving forward, if Austin Hooper remains out, you know, I would probably like Harrison Bryant over an extended stretch. But, you know, Carson Wentz playing better. We, we've seen him over the years with Ertz and to a lesser extent Goddard uh, just pull up that stash and that guy is Richard Rodgers for right now. So, wild times. You know, I did not expect Rodgers to be uh, arguably the best tight end out there on waivers uh, this week. But I do think in this matchup, in this offense, we should be prioritizing Richard Rodgers as, you know, probably the priority ad of the week at the tight end position. So, that's going to do it for me, everyone. Uh, thank you. One more quick shout out uh, before we get out of here, though. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collins were just teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field 49ers, all pro corner, Richard Sherman. The Chris Collins. With Podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They'll provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week. And sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that's happening in the great game of football. So mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of Insight this season all right everyone that's gonna do it for this edition of the pro football focus fantasy football podcast uh thank you for listening as always you know i'm shooting these out on the old twitter sphere at i Heart, it's i-h-a-r-t-i-t-z every morning we got these published on monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday uh check back in tomorrow going over all four team week eight games with my buddy dwayne mcfarland uh that should be a good one and then on thursday we'll have another uh, episode out with some you know top fantasy football storylines before finishing off the week with a quick recap of thursday night football and some injuries tomorrow monitor ahead of Sunday. So thank you for listening. As always, I'm Ian Hardis. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.